Welcome to the New Zealand Tech Podcast, presented by Paul Spain and guests. Welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. This is episode 186. I'm Paul Spain. And I'm Mark Derricket. I'm Tim Haywood. Welcome along, guys. Great to have you both here. Great to be here. Thanks, Paul. Now, for those who uh, who haven't uh, come across you on the NZ Tech Podcast before, we better get some introductions. So, Mark, where do you fit into the, the technology world? Uh, I'm a software developer with um, SMX New Zealand and also doing a, just uh, run the Illegal Argument Java podcast and just GitHub and open source stuff all over the place. Yeah, I noticed when I, I, I don't know why I Googled you today, I was trying to maybe check that I spelt your name right or something, and the uh, the first thing that came up was uh, was your GitHub page. I need so, to change that, I need to start blogging again then. So there you go, so you, yeah. And Tim? I uh, look after the handset range at two degrees. I think this is third time on. I've Very lost exciting. I've lost count. Um I shouldn't have if we're only at the third time, should I? But, uh, <laughs> What's mate, the record? Who, who's had the most? Uh, well, Bill Bennett is our is our most regular is our most regular guest. Um, Dave Hill has been on quite these a few days. Times yeah, there's a there's a bunch of people that have been on been on a few times. Some some not so much recently. So we might have to uh, give them a prod to come back on. But great to have both of you back. Now, um, part of the reason that I thought you would both be interested interesting. Uh, to include this week is uh, Google I.O., which has just been running. Uh, so we're going to jump into that shortly. But first, uh, some news bites for the week, uh, starting with some news from Two Degrees, which is uh, that uh, Two Degrees have launched their uh, 4G LTE network to all users. It's been in, uh, in trial for a little while, but now is available uh, across Auckland initially and then expanding out to the rest of the country. Um, we might come back to you for a little bit more on that, uh, Tim, as we as we get further in. Uh, other news: Indian uh, restaurant app provider Zomato, uh, who have had their uh, restaurant and menu app available in New Zealand uh, since last year, uh, they have acquired uh, Menu Mania, uh, which is a New Zealand-based uh, company that I guess have had some similarities or crossover in service to what uh, Zomato have been doing. Uh, Telecom have confirmed that August 8th is the day that they change from Telecom NZ to Spark. So that's when they launched the new brand. Uh, and we heard through from Core Plus today that they've launched an unlimited uh, VDSL uh, plan, internet plan, uh, for businesses at uh, $99 a month, uh, which is pretty competitive out there in the market. They also have... Uh, Ultrafast broadband plans have a 3010 unlimited plan at $130 and a uh, 100 megabits uh, slash 50 megabits unlimited plan for uh, $230. So, um, yeah, they, they seem to be um, standing out a little bit there with those unlimited uh, business plans, whereas most of the other providers tend to, uh, tend to have a fixed amount. All right, so uh, jumping into our discussion topics. Uh, Google I.O., I guess that was sort of the big event last week in, uh, in the San Francisco and Silicon Valley area. Um, it was three hours long. The, yeah, the main long keynote, keynote, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah. Now, do, do you have any... You must have had at least uh, one person from, uh, from two degrees across, uh, across for that. Oh, I believe somebody, uh, somebody popped over and had a look. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah and came back with uh, a few little goodies, including the uh, cardboard. 
Yeah, well, tell us about the cardboard. Now, I've, um, I've that was one of the things that sort of uh, fascinated me, and I watched the uh, the video online, but. You you've actually had a play with it, so Tim, I think you should tell I've us had, about. I've had, I've had a brief play yeah, about well. about Google Cardboard. I mean, what is it? Is it just a bit of cardboard? It's a bit of cardboard you strap your phone into. So so think of the um, you know the old Viewmasters, yeah, the plastic Viewmasters with the yeah. rotary slides. So not not you know pretty similar to that. You, you you slip your phone in, close a bit of cardboard up. It's got a couple of Velcro pieces. That's you know one of the high tech features, Ooh. and then. Uh, and then also a magnet on the side, which you kind of drag a piece, you know, sort of a washer down, which you use to uh, make your selections, and then let it go, and it just kind of flicks back up again. So, um, so it's it's, lo- it's a low tech sort of way of taking your phone and turning it into a so three D viewer kind of yeah, Oculus right. Rift type. Uh, so you're looking through the style. stereoscopic lenses. Mm. A lot yeah. cheaper than an Oculus Rift, though. Well, the Oculus Rift itself actually was pretty good value. Um, Although I mean, we don't know what what that'll actually land as in terms of you know final final product, but you're right. This I mean this is dirt cheap, right? It's, I mean, in fact, I think you can download the uh, the plans off the internet yourself, and if you've got an Android phone, you could set up and uh, have that uh, that that 3D viewer. And I believe the software is just free in the Play Store as well. I believe. Yeah, it is. Yeah, the cardboard app. Mm. Yep, it's 180 meg. It's a fairly hefty uh, app to download. Mm. Um, and then, you, yeah, you've got a bunch of options to go into and sort of explore, you know, 3D virtual worlds. Um, Street View, uh, Google Earth. Uh, there's an exhibit, uh, which is like a sort of a whole lot of museum pieces that sit on little pedestals. And as you move your head around, the item rotates uh, in 3D. Mm, there's a uh, home theater-styled YouTube player. Yes, indeed. Yeah, so a YouTube a YouTube player that, that, that fires up a screen you're looking at, and then after a few moments, as you start moving your head and look around, you realize you're, you're in a massive room with walls of different videos around you, and as you look around, they pop out, and you select the one you want to watch next. Now, did I hear you correctly saying that you tried this out with a new, uh, a new prototype uh, phone? You tried it as in a, oh, quite a super high-resolution uh, version? It's certainly a handset that, that, that's got a, a higher resolution than most around at the moment, yeah. But, so uh, how, how did it look? How did that experience look? I look, I think, I think, to be honest, because you're looking through a couple of sort of, you know, slightly distorting 3D lenses, and, and um, I'm not sure what it's rendering in as well, right? So it depends what the content of the, the quality of the display that you're getting. I'm not sure if it looked a lot different to, you know... Another sort of 1080p phone, but it was certainly slightly higher res than that. Mm. But that that 3D experience. Have you tried the Oculus Rift? Is no, that, I haven't. No. no, okay. no. So does the Oculus also have speakers in the headset? Because just thinking of the cardboard, the thing that you'd only be getting the speaker coming out of your phone, so. Mm. You don't get the full immersion from what you would from a high end VR system. Yeah, well, when you look at the Sony one, which is was it is it a thousand US? It's certainly a, at least a thousand Kiwi uh, that has that has headphones and so on that come as as part of that kit, and it's a pretty all encompassing uh, sort of device. But uh, this, as I thought, I it was, I thought this was a cool. You should plug your headset in, wouldn't you? And you know. yeah. yeah, yeah. So especially yeah, that it came out of a, one of one of their twenty percent projects kind of thing. And it's like whoa. Well, uh, yeah, watching the video, it looked like uh, one of the guys that had, had worked on it, um, pretty sure his comment was it was something that they saw, you know, they saw the concept elsewhere and, you know, they've, they've taken it and and obviously taken it a bit further than what they'd, uh, what they'd seen. I think somebody else had maybe come up with that original 
uh, yet a cardboard style idea. But uh, yeah, very very good. Full credit to them, and um, certainly something to watch. I mean, I'm not I'm not sure where it will go, but it does seem like a, a a smart way to get that kind of 3D viewer without having to shell out the sort of money that most people just won't. Uh, certainly in the in the short term, but. I know. Um, we'll we'll see what happens and what Facebook does with uh, with Oculus Rift over the next little while. Well, yeah, Mark, you made the point we were talking before about you know people using it to then develop other. Yeah, there apps. was. Um, I can't remember where I was reading it, but there was one real estate company that were saying we're currently now looking at cardboard to actually, as we sell new houses and properties to our potential customers or clients doing architectural work, we'll just ship them out a piece of cardboard and they can then look at their building on the site and walk around and do a virtual walk around. So that's going to be a potential game changer for the way that we operate our business because it's so cheap to just send out a bit of cardboard mm. and stuff. So that'll be interesting to watch. But I, mm, I mean, if it's a more immersive experience than what you're normally going to get on your screen, that could be tempting. I mean, in many regards, there's probably no reason why uh, yeah, you couldn't use this you know, fold up your bit of cardboard and put a, a non-Android phone into it as well. Uh, I don't imagine the software is that, you know, impossible to come up with. So, yeah, you you could be putting your um, your iPhone, you know, and doing the same sort of thing, turn it into a 3D viewer or Windows phone or, you know, whatever other operating systems we, we end up with in the years ahead. So, oh, well, we, we will see. Now, uh, there was also uh, Android L, the, uh, the next flavor of android uh and that's available now i believe for uh or in a in a, a developer format for the, the developer uh, kit available for the soon. nexus 5 and for the uh most recent nexus 7 tablet any uh, any thoughts on on this new android it looks um the the new look and feel stuff that they're working on the material design for the way that they're doing handling the new animations and interactions and adding in I think they're effectively saying you've now got a Z-axis for your pixels, so you can tell and give things depth, and all the applications and things will have smooth animations that flow in and out, backwards and forwards, and it looks quite gorgeous. Whether and how this will work on older devices where they're still wanting to get 60 frames a second, that's going to be an interesting challenge. But it definitely looks like it's going to give iOS and, and stuff a good run for the money. Yeah, I was quite impressed with, um, with it. And, and I think the, the direction generally that Google are going from a design perspective, certainly in the earlier days of Android, it was, yeah, visually it was a bit clunky. And now I think they're starting to, you know, tweak that visual side. They've done, yeah, they've worked on so many other areas of Android, but. Now I think the typefaces and and yep. all of the other visual elements. One, one of the comments I together. saw earlier today was um, hollow was a design. It wasn't necessarily a good design, but it was a design. True. Now they've got a new design where it actually flows between everything that they're doing, all the new Android Wear stuff that they're bringing out, mm, the Android mm. Car, the Android TV, which they mentioned also at Google I/O. It's consistent across everything that they're doing, and along with their web, their web presence as well, with new Gmail applications and stuff. It's that unified flow of consistency. Yeah, what's your pick on this, Tim? Well, I think that's right. Just the fact that it goes across all their 
properties, doesn't it? And TV as well, um, wearables, you know, the whole lot. So I guess that's something they've picked up from uh, perhaps people who have been doing a better job on the design than they have in the past. So what's it going to mean, you know, for you? Because, you know, I guess your your role as the handset guy at two degrees, you're having to pick handsets from different vendors. All of these different vendors are usually wanting to differentiate, you know, how, how they look with their custom launches and, and different bits and pieces. Um, will will you be looking for maybe some of the some of those vendors that do things in unique ways to to sort of line up a little bit more, uh, or is that just something you've just got to go with what's available? You, I guess you don't have that much influence unless you're a, a carrier like AT and T with um, you know however many tens or hundred million customers they've got. Yeah, how, I think. I mean, look, I, th- I think a lot of that's up to yeah, it's up to uh, decisions of the handset vendors going to make about how they want to win their customers. I'm not trying to get in the middle of that. So if someone wants to do a lot of customization, the device is still going to be popular, that's fine. If someone else wants to make it look a lot more like uh, stock Android, again, that's fine. I mean, I might have my preferences, but, you know, it's not, it's not really... It's not, know, my, it's my not a big part of the decision. Not really, you know. Answer. It's, it's yeah. more in terms of, you know, spec, brand, price, alignment with what we're doing and our plans and, and things like that. Um, I guess... Uh, you're seeing, you are seeing Google are probably starting to exert more control over the look and feel. I don't know if you've noticed all of the recent Androids coming out have the little powered by Android um, uh, on the startup screen. So, uh, you know, I, th- I think you can expect to see a more common, you know, with this level of design that Google's putting in, a more common look. They're definitely pushing the word Android more as well. Rather than it's built with Google, it's built with Android. And, I, and I, I don't know whether this is more a kind of Samsung have been getting a lot of the praise as being the handset to beat iOS. You either go for an iPhone or a Samsung. You don't go for an Android. You go for a Samsung. So Apple, I mean, Google is trying to reclaim the identity of Android. Yeah, interesting point. Yeah, I, th- I think, you know, there's there's obviously other great devices out there as well. Um, Samsung is a very strong player. Um, I think, you know, for people like LG and, and Sony and HTC, um, you know, it can be challenging to have a flagship device up against, you know, whatever Samsung's uh, latest device is. They've got to pick their timing right during the year or, you know, get a key, you know, feature or proposition that's uh, that's a little bit different. I think just being a Me Too is, you know, is, uh, is challenging. Now, um, Andro- Android L has... I guess other elements to it as well that were uh, that were that were talked about at uh, at Google I/O. But when we were when we were discussing it uh, before we started, yeah, there there were comments here, and I guess this is just normal is that uh, you know we've got different vendors that are sort of just jostling to you know to be on an equal par with features or to to step up, and a lot of those things are quite minor features that have either already been in other platforms already. Or a, you know just a small uh, a small step forward in sort of most cases you know, one of the one of the features that they uh, they touted in the keynote was around uh, you know power handling and battery and, and and so on and you know we've seen for instance that you know Windows Phone very early on had this sort of capability that when you got to a certain point it would do some smart stuff to uh, you know heavily reduce the operating system's use of your battery for you know push email and 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 the like. And uh, yeah, we've we've seen uh, Google, um, 
Samsung and others, you know, add that onto Android. Now that's just becoming a, um, a, a sort of set feature. Were there any of the other um, features that, uh, yeah, just thought were important? Just a couple of things I noted. There's, um, it looks like there's, there's a, a more developed remote kill switch um, feature, which looks a little more like uh, iOS. Um, so it works even after someone's reset the device. Um, I understand it has helped with the reduction in, in um, theft of iOS devices mm, overseas. Mm. So, you know, we might see a similar effect. Um, I think notifications, treating of notifications, are, they're a little richer, or larger. You can do more with the notification right there. Almost, yeah, almost they're like quite, a widget. quite interactive, aren't they? Mm. Yeah, I like, I like that. Available on lock screens for quick access and... Yeah, I think that sort of capability where it doesn't just notify you, but actually you can take an action mm. and achieve something right from the notification. And I'm sure we're just going to see more and more of that that sort of you know smarter use of these things uh, coming. So uh, I think it's a, it's a really good really good move. The fitness uh, health and fitness hub, I think, similar again to something you've seen elsewhere, and then something that didn't get a lot of attention, but I'm pretty sure is in there is, is the move to 64 bit. Mm. Yeah, there was. There but was I don't recall them saying anything about what the impact would be. So, one of the things from there, which is much probably more of a technical discussion, is as part of Android L, they're switching over to ART, which is and removing Delvic. So they're actually switching the entire base runtime to the new Android runtime, which is pre-compiled, more optimized, has 64-bit capabilities as part of it, but it's also much better usage on memory speed of applications and because of that you actually get better battery life right so some of these technical changes that you know, Tim and I are, are looking at each other going yeah um, so a lot of those we're things, not quite sure exactly what the implications are but what you're saying is the implications are, are good behind the scenes even if it, it sounds yeah, a bit the, the, uh, like the kind of things that you wouldn't really put on a keynote because everyone would be going but where's the shiny show me something that, that's like animated it's like mm. <laughs> Yep, no, well, well said. And Although I think you know, I think what's quite good about about Apple's keynotes sometimes is is you expect it to be shiny, and then they do pull out you know the technical piece and focus in on it and really talk about it. So I they think, almost well, go they the can, other way around. But if they can make it look really, really cool and yeah. so on, and that I mean, they do seem to do to do that exceptionally well, don't they? Um, I, I did see one amusing comment saying, I, "I watched the entire three and a half hour keynote, and I was disappointed. Google did not come out with another new programming language." <laughs> and it's like, ah, oh. well, they've already got two more, so. <laughs> uh, brilliant. Now, uh, so Android is sort of going everywhere, isn't it? So there was, uh, we also heard about uh, Android TV. No, this is not Google TV. This is Android TV, mm-hmm. uh, which is going to be showing up in uh, in smart TVs and, um, you know, uh, set-top boxes in the not-too-distant future. They announced a range of vendors, including uh uh, I guess most relevant to New Zealand, uh, Sony, their 2015 range uh, smart TVs are apparently all going to have uh, Android TV embedded in them. Wow. Which, uh, which sounds interesting. I think interesting. Android TV also has a bit of a game controller as well that I saw one photo of. So it just looks a little bit more flexible, doesn't it, than what we're seeing with Apple TV? Just open. In fact, I think all the things we expected Apple TV to probably have done by now. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Uh, I mean, Google has had their, their Google TV product, which which was announced at Google I.O. itself some years ago, and uh, in general was reasonably, dis- you know, a mm. bit of a disappointment in the market. Uh, but, yeah, a- Android, 
is already being used in uh, in some smart TVs and so on today. And so having this sort of dedicated uh, product that's very focused on on the TV, uh, I think yeah probably work out very well. And for the likes of Sony and and others that decide to uh, to put it into a smart TV, it's a very probably a very easy way for them uh, to deliver that smart TV experience without having to spend you know huge bundles of cash to uh, you know to develop. And they know the hardware to run Android isn't uh, yeah isn't too crazy, so they can build build these in at, at probably a reasonably low cost, I would have thought. And I think you've seen that um, content story from Google being fleshed out as well over the last couple of years. You know, I think, again, something that you, you wouldn't naturally think Google does, but they've got a pretty big content store, you know, um, possibly not up there yet with iTunes, but, you know, getting close. Mm. Well, the interesting thing is I think that Android TV is also building upon Chromecast. And the features, I mean, when that was launched, I think last year's Google I.O., the small little $20 device that gives you full streaming was itself a big game-changer type thing. And you've got Netflix and you've got Hulu and all the other kind of streaming providers via Chromecast, which are also on Android TV. So a lot of those things are just automatically coming along. And I believe Plex, one of the open-source media centers, has Chromecast support and a lot of the third-party media players have that. So even if the Google Play Store doesn't have the content that you need, it's available through this open API where it's multiple stores in one place. So I think that's actually going to be probably more compelling than the Apple Store, which is kind of closed. Mm -hmm. And if you you can have third-party peripheral devices and game controllers and remote controls and all sorts of things, then, you know, that's kind of interesting, isn't it? It is, and and I think, uh, you know, there, there's a potential for this type of product, if it's done right, to really sort of, you know, steal all the market share off our traditional gaming consoles. And we, you know, obviously we've, we've seen that move to sort of gaming on mobile devices, but if this if this works out right and there's, a, you know, an, enough uh, yeah, processing power and so on, um, I think there could be some pretty good experiences there, and yeah, the games aren't. My pick is the games aren't likely to be at those you know crazy prices that we're we're seeing on our uh, traditional consoles. They're more going to be in the direction of a, a, a standard Android or, or iOS app, right? So oh, just, cool. just just the other day, we we hooked up a borrowed an Xbox One and hooked it up at home, and you know it needed a massive update before we could even start using it. Then we got a game. That game took ages to install. Then it needed another massive update. I think it took us three hours before we were up and running. <laughs> yeah, it was unbelievable. Yeah. yeah, I mean, some pretty impressive games. That you know, that some of these huge games are are amazing. But um, there's a there's an in between audience between you know those that that want that and uh, you know are look are looking for something a little bit lighter mm. and a and are quite comfortable with it. And you know, as we move to things streaming off the net not having to actually sit on the device so much, uh, that that world will keep changing. I was going to say, you want to download that on some um, high-speed 4G from 2 Degrees. Oh, (laughs) I thought it wasn't out just then, but you're right, I could do that. It would have gone a lot better now. (laughs) Here we go, a little promo slot there from from Mark. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Um well, we should, and we should jump in and have a little bit, um, a little bit of a, a, a chat about what's happening in the world of two degrees, Tim. Uh, so, yeah, four G LTE. I've been having a little little play around with your network over over the past um, 
um, at least a couple of weeks or so, and it uh, seems pretty snappy, and now it's available for everyone, and it still seems pretty snappy, so that's a good sign. Yeah, yeah, well, you know, available around uh, a fairly good chunk of uh, Auckland and central Auckland and surrounding suburbs. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll continue to expand. So sort of, I think around the sort of October-November time frame, the Auckland coverage will be significantly bigger than it is now, I think even up to three times larger. Right, because you've uh, got pretty reasonable some... coverage across Auckland at the moment, it's haven't you? It's not too bad, yeah. Um, I mean, it's not, you know, I don't know if it doesn't go too far over the bridge and, you know, kind of down to Green Lane and, and uh, out to sort of Avondale, like that kind of coverage. Mm, mm, okay. Um and then at you know, add in Hamilton and Wellington and Christchurch as well in that same sort of time frame for October. So, you know, it'll be a good story then. So uh, yeah, maybe you can enlighten us a little bit. We've seen we saw Vodafone and then and then Telecom launch their sort of four G LTE stuff last year. And for the the casual observer we would wonder why you wouldn't have launched at the same time. So I guess my immediate thought was if you if you launch early on, maybe there's a there's a big price premium to to launch that technology, and as time goes on, um, maybe there's a there's a sort of a level where it's um, I, I guess a little bit like buying a smartphone. You buy the latest smartphone, uh, you know, last year, and then you wait sort of three months, and uh, you can actually pick it up at a lower cost. I mean, does it make a significant difference to building a network if you're right at the bleeding edge um, of things, or if you wait a few months? Well, look, I think even that probably that time frame last year, um, if you think globally, wasn't really what you'd call bleeding edge. So, you know, um, Fair you know, point. by, <laughs> by uh, I don't think that makes a big difference. I think at the end of the day, you know, our focus um, at that stage was around, you know, providing our value, billing value and carryover and shared data. Those kind of features were kind of more important uh, at the time. You know, 4G is always something that was going to, you know, we would flesh out. Um, and add, uh, which we have. So, you know, look, it's great. It's great when you use it. I guess you know we spend a bit of time tossing around, going, you know, what, what does four G do, and what do those speeds do? And it is extraordinary if you think about the performance you get out of four G and compare that to what you got at home, right? I mm, mean, it's, mm. it's, it's, it's kind of hard to believe. Yeah, I mean, I did a, did a little uh, speed test earlier, and uh, one of them ended up sort of, I think, fifty three megabits down, which is. Yeah, in the direction of twice the speed I get on my home, uh, yeah, home connection, and the other test I think uh, was up in the sort of you know seventy megabits range. So, uh, some some pretty snappy performance there. Yeah, I think it's the up the upload speed as well is pretty significant, isn't it? You it know, is. Yeah, it used yeah. to be uh, upload used to be even with HSPA upload was never that crash hot. Well, the upload I think you know on probably both of those was you know around the yeah, thirty megabit sort of range, which you know again it's similar to what I get my download at. At home, over a, a you know, I guess a, a um, an average uh, VDSL or maybe a bit below average VDSL connection. Um, I remember, so remember seeing a report, a report from um, the first UK uh, operator, I think Everything Everywhere, to, to do a sort of wide wide scale four mm. G mm. network. Mm. And it was during the um, the Queen's you know coronation event. Uh, whenever that was, uh, and you know, they saw for the first time significantly more data on the upload being sent. So people uploading, you know, high def photos and video straight away. 
I didn't know they had Van 4G Dermond. when the Queen when the Queen Queen had her coronation. Got coronation uh, anniversary. Oh, okay, okay. All right, all right. I'm not. I don't follow the Queen no, that closely. I'm, yeah, I'm just kidding you, mate. Um, That's because the security detail works. <laughs> um, so, so looking at looking at at this move to 4G, what we what we read is that. A network with 4G, it costs you a lot less to you know, get your data out out to people. You, I guess you can. Well, you can you can pack in a lot more a uh, lot more data. I think it was a, the, the technical phrase is something like megabits per hertz per second. Okay. I think there's a, there's a formula along those lines. Right. So yep. you know, yep. how much data you're carrying for the amount of spectrum that you've got. Yep. You know, in the same yep. amount of so, time frame. So with with all that sort of in mind. Uh, I guess you know everyone's looking to see well when are we going to get more data for for less money sort of thing which is is the constant challenge. Um, what I guess what we've seen when we look back over time is we tend to you know, every few months or so there's a there's a sort of a gradual change. So rather than it be oh, someone's rolled out LTE, so suddenly we're getting twice as much data. It, it's on a gradual scale. Is that what we expect to sort of continue? That's that's kind of what works for a for a network. And in terms of being competitive with the other players, we're not likely to see any big big jumps anytime soon. Well, we've got. I think we've got. What's our, our biggest data pack um, at the moment? Just twelve gig. There's a, there's a twelve right, gig one. If you can find it, it's hidden away on your website. <laughs> pretty uh, pretty pretty though. hard to find. Yeah. Um, so twelve gig for what six months validity. Um, for ninety nine bucks, you know that's not it's pretty good value. Um, even on four G, it'll take you a little bit to chew through that. Uh, look, I guess uh, you know it'll be a matter of how much increase we see happening, right? You know, you got data baked into your pay monthly plans. You've got data now in your prepay combos. I guess it'll become a question of how many four G users are blowing out those bundles you know, in a much shorter time frame than they'd expect, you know, and does that impact the value that they see in the plan? So I guess it's going to be a little bit of wait and see as, as 4G usage goes up. Well, I mean, in terms of number of devices, you know, 4G devices are increasing very quickly as a share of the total number of devices that we sell. Yeah, I was, I was just going to say with the prevalence of looking back from last year when Vodafone launched to now, there's much more, many more devices that are actually 4G, like the newer ta- tablets, the newer TVs, if you look at what, going back to Google I.O. 4G so TVs? Well, you've got, you've, you've got a 4K TV, you, you might oh, get a 4K, 4K TV. <laughs> but, but I mean, like have, you, you might have like a, a module in there. That, I mean, who knows what Google's going to come out with next. I mean, is your car going to be 4G? Because that's not going to be tethered to a, a, a long coax cable somewhere. Well, interesting you should talk about cars and 4G because today one of the... Uh, Car rental companies has announced. Actually, it's 3G. They've announced that uh, you'll be able to pay a um, when you rent your vehicle. You'll be able to pay a little bit each day to uh, to get some uh, a mobile internet service with your car. Now, I thought that was interesting because uh, there are you know some of the more higher end cars that have that sort of built into the car. But what they're actually giving you by the looks of the the picture they sent. Is a little uh, portable hotspot. I think from Vodafone was the uh, was the icon on it that's going to be going with the car. And I think it was uh, was it Thrifty uh, Car Rentals. Do either of you know? I saw some some head nodding there, Tim. So I wondered if you had some uh, some inside information on the uh, on the on the subject. 
Um, no, Stroopal, not on that one. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was uh, thrifty uh, car rentals. So what they were offering is uh, twelve or th- uh, about thirteen dollars, uh, thirteen dollars a day. Uh, you would get a hundred and fifty megs worth of data uh, per day. So for someone that's coming, you know, coming in, coming into the country. Uh, yeah, avoid sort of uh, roaming and uh, just a sort of an easy add-on with their uh, with their car rental. Going to chew through that on four G, aren't you? Pretty uh, well. <laughs> it's, and and maybe that's why this is limited to uh, to three G. So, so uh, is that device going to be affixed fixed into the car? Because I can imagine, like you say, you're just flown and you go to your hotel room and you want to use. But hold on, the Wi-Fi is in the car. Well, no, they did talk about using it in the hotel room, so they are giving you—they're giving you a, uh, a a portable device that I guess you right. can uh, you can really use anywhere where you you know anywhere you'd you'd like to. Um, so yeah, it, I mean, seems seems like a uh, seems mm. like a, a, a good good idea to me. Um, yeah, yeah. So, but that yeah, that that's three G, and I guess that's one of the issues. There's lots of devices that are are you know three G. And are going to need replacing, and it sounds like um, Vodafone have just uh, dumped all their old three uh, G hotspots on uh, thrifty car rental. Um, I guess you've got to get rid of that old uh, that that old stock. Uh, yeah, somehow, don't you? All sorts of ways and means of doing that, my friend. <laughs> so you might have some uh, d- deals lined up for the other car rental companies there, Tim. Uh, they should give, give you a call if uh, if, they, if they want to uh, provide a similar service. If they're listening, give me a call. Go for it. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to just want to ask if you knew anything about like the congestion rates on the the four G network and what's that that's looking like. And would the, as we get more and more people, how is two degrees going to be handling congestion or? There's look. I, I, I mean, I'm not that close to how it works on on three G, but I guess the methodology is going to be kind of similar. They'll they'll have stats that they're looking at, you know, thresholds that it'll be all around. I presume it'll be all around peak data at whatever the busy hour is, mm-hmm. and you know they'll have some sort of limit or threshold that a cell can carry and still provide a decent level of service to to most users. And I guess you know they'll they'll see that threshold coming and. That triggers an expansion um, piece of work, you know, which is usually around um, frequency or, or additional cell sites uh, at some yep. point. But um, yeah, I, I mean, back back to the, the the point Paul made. I mean, you, you know, we should be able to carry a lot more data using the same amount of frequency than we can on three G. Um, it's much more efficient. Yep. Now let me correct their price is twelve dollars fifty a day, including uh, GST, and they have a launch special if you want to try it out during July, uh, which is half that, so six dollars twenty five. So if you happen to be renting a vehicle from uh, from Thrifty and uh, you really need a little um, a little hotspot, it's a palm sized battery powered three G device with up to five hours of mobile usage. But twelve sorry twelve fifty for hundred me hundred and fifty meg. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, obviously there's this. This is marked up as anything will be through a car rental company. If you want to uh, rent a car seat for your child, uh, you know you could buy a new one, and the price of probably renting it for a, a week or two off them. Uh, GPS, I think, what a car rental companies usually charge is sort of ten to fifteen dollar uh, dollars a, a day to rent a uh, GPS with the vehicle, and uh, most, I mean. 
GPSs these days start under $100, don't they? So uh, it's that sort of on, on tap type thing, isn't it? And uh, I guess compared to roaming rates, which we could uh, we could hassle you about, Tim. Uh, <laughs> no, don't. don't. <laughs> the uh, you know it, it's still still pretty good. So I mean, I'm not sure what your roaming rates are for 150 megs worth of data in uh, in some random part of the world. But the roaming, you know, these things add up. So hmm. you know, my pick is this: this would mostly be focused at those sort of international you know travellers coming in that don't have any sort of uh, a local plan. And uh, yeah, maybe don't have time or you know care about jumping through the hoops of getting a, a prepay SIM card and, mm, and the mm. like set up. Oh, look, sure, no, 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 it's, it's, it's worth it. Especially if I you don't know the carriers, just having yeah. it provided by the person you're getting your car from is just a no-brainer. It's like, mm, mm. I don't want to care about choosing the best carrier or... Mm. I think my, my only feeling would be how easy is it to get some extra data if you need it. So if I blow my 150 meg, how do I get another... 150 or 500 or gig or, or, or whatever is that is that process there yeah and I, I mean I um, I didn't see anything on how how that would uh, work but yeah basically they were saying look 150 megs of data per 24 hour uh, period so that may be set up in such a way that yeah after you use it then you're uh, you're kind of stumped or yeah I don't know how they would alert you or if you're on a little uh, portable device like that as to as to what your options were, and maybe to keep it simple, it's, it's just mm. as simple as that. You use mm. it up, and it and it stops. Uh, which, yeah, may have some downsides if you really need to to get online. Uh, but there you go. Those and and if it's the one that I think it is, it will. I think it will give you a display on screen so you know what your usage is as you go. So you're not going to just be cut off without there being any sort of identification in terms of your um, your use. But I don't imagine it's necessarily smart enough well maybe it is to actually show you that broken down into a daily rate it probably shows you yeah maybe across the term your rental or you might, you like might be able to download the app perhaps well, for your smartphone you to manage it through that maybe yeah yeah so um so whether they've got all those things to start with who knows but uh yeah it's sounds sounds interesting so uh, now, so back onto our other topics, Tim. Um, so you've launched your new four G LTE. Any other sort of big, uh, big announcements? Actually, we had a, an announcement that doesn't really directly relate to you, but uh, Vodafone today uh, launched something that that in some ways does sound quite two degrees like, um, which is a uh, a plan where you can. Um, um, uh, an unlimited plan which you can sort of split up and, and add people on, which, which sounds quite similar to something you guys launched. Uh, uh, when, when did you guys launch that? Last year? Oh, God, at least, isn't it? Yeah. yeah so so I guess the uh, yeah the point there is this, this whole competition things that, thing, um, that, yeah, that has largely been, you know, uh, I think, you know, it's fair to say driven by by two degrees is, uh, you know, is having a good impact across the rest of the market. Mm. And for people that want to stay with a, a particular carrier that they've got that preference, um, then, you know, the nice thing is that that carrier sooner or later, um, you know, is, is generally like to come to the, is likely to come to the party with the things that other carriers are doing. So um, I guess that must be a little bit frustrating for you guys that you, you come out with something New that yeah we're going to stir up the market with this and uh, you know within um, you know not too long a period that um, yeah everyone else is, is doing something very very similar 
So it, I guess it makes it much harder now that you because you've attracted a pretty big base of customers, haven't you? Two degrees. I think the last mm. number was announced was a was a million. Is there mm-hmm. any any more announcements since then? Anything else you can reveal? I don't think we've revealed anything officially. Uh since then, but that was a little while ago now, wasn't that, that, that right. so you're, so you're yeah. suggesting what, what, what oh, might the figure be oh, now? Are we up to 1.2, 1.3? Uh, uh, look, I'm not, I'm not giving you a <laughs> number here, mate. I'm to open up for a sweepstake, perhaps. Uh, uh, we, we, we want hard figures. <laughs> um, okay, so, but, I mean, you, 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 you know, you, your customer size has certainly uh, grown, and, and this year there's been that sort of push into uh, uh, business customers. But, but I guess it's been, been pretty, you know, we've had a great uh, business campaign running for the last uh, couple of months yeah um, yeah i think it's um it, it's probably uh, well it looks like something that that might work reasonably well for you hmm. in terms of you know i think i think that uh, the the approach you've been taking but i guess it gets a, it gets a point where you you know you've collected all the all the customers that are really annoyed with the other uh, you know with the other telcos for for whatever reason maybe they've been with them too long or whatever it is and and they change, and then I imagine it starts getting a little bit harder to to acquire new business. Would that be fair to say? Well, yeah, you know, then we've got to come out with some more exciting stuff, don't we? So you know, watch the space. All right, all right, okay. Well, we'll uh, we will we will we will have very high expectations, Tim. <laughs> Android uh, L coming to two degrees soon. You heard it here. Excellent. Um, well, coming to coming to Paul's Nexus Five, uh, perhaps tomorrow. Yes, yes. We'll have to uh, download that so I can uh, talk about the uh, the hands-on experience. Now, uh, the um, Hawaii cable they have announced. Well, actually, it's the government today that announced. They sent sent through a um, a little note from the uh, the ministers to say that. Uh, uh, they're they're jumping on board and are supporting this new cable. Should it actually go ahead? So I guess if we look back uh, about three years, there was a similar announcement of uh, there being support for the Pacific Fibre cable. So which of course that never worked out, and um, the Pacific f- uh, yeah Pacific Fibre sort of uh, shut down. So their their cable's not not going ahead. So they had announced a deal three years ago of a um, a, ni- a ninety one million dollar deal, and the announcement today is around a sixty five million dollar commitment to that uh, cable, and that involves uh, buying a, a, a portion of the uh, the bandwidth that will be available on that uh, that cable that will link New Zealand to the US and to Australia. It's quite a long-term uh, investment, I think. From the numbers I was seeing, was uh, that commitment was over a uh, 25-year period. I guess it's about um, stimulating the investors to come on board, then, isn't it? With a with a high level of confidence. Yeah, and I think I mean it's good. It's good to see uh, you know government entity that's sort of playing playing a part in supporting this, because you know there will come a time when the uh, yeah current connection that we have in the Southern Cross connection won't be an, enough to uh, to keep up with what we need. We're told it's got plenty of capacity for, you know, for now and probably for another five or six uh, years or so, but uh, I mean eventually that's going to become a problem. And I think there's some benefit in having a bit of competition and diversity, isn't there? Mm, certainly. Definitely. So uh, yeah, so we'll we'll um, I guess we'll we'll just hope that they find enough money to uh, to, to put this one together and uh, sling that uh, sling that cable under the under the sea, uh, and um, within a couple of years we we might have some um, 
some other options. But one thing that, you know, that when we've talked about this in the past, one thing that we didn't have was a lot of providers offering unlimited, uh, you know, broadband on, on home and, and business connections. And, you know, we just talked about earlier the, the unlimited broadband that's now available to businesses with VDSL and UFB. Uh, home environments, we've got similar sorts of things. You know, if I look at my um, broadband usage, you know, two years ago, maybe around five gig, mm-hmm. you know, and now with sort of older children and Netflix hooked up and, you know, I think probably pushing the kind of the 80, 60 to 80, maybe to 100 gig sort of range. So that's reasonably big growth, you know, in two years. And if everyone's doing that same kind of ramp up, mm. uh, or yes. a lot of people are. So I'm, I'm getting up around about the 100, 120, and that's with also doing a lot of, like, Dropbox, CrashPlan, online backups and stuff. So I've got a lot of lot of data that's going backwards and forwards that I could probably actually not back up as often and waste that bandwidth. But At that sort of level, it's not really an issue, is it? I mean, I think I was on a Vodafone plan that was 200 gigs, and then it got bumped to 500 uh, yeah, Telecom had a 500 plan at the time, so the competition I think is, is you know has been driving some of that. And then they just said, ah, "Look, we'll just take that that 500 gig cap off, and you can use as much as you want." Uh, and you know those things tend to work out quite well. I guess that's a, there's a point there for, for you, Tim. And there's been, a, I guess, a bit of you know talk in the market around around this is. Um, yeah, two degrees being just a mobile provider, and you know one of the reasons that I'm buying my internet off uh, off Vodafone is you know they've they've got a package that makes it quite attractive for somebody that has a Vodafone mobile. What uh, what are we like? What can you talk about in those regards uh, in terms of what what two degrees might do? Not much, sorry, mate. Not tonight. <laughs> no big announcements here. Well, let, I but, mean, uh, but look, you know, obviously, it's something that um, we, we know that our customers would like us to provide those kind of services. Um, we know that they they trust us to do that. Um, they'd like us. They'd like to see us do something interesting in that space, like we've done in in the mobile space. So, you know, there's there's fertile ground there. Um, it's a question of you know exactly you know what we do that that. That makes sense and is differentiating. So, um, I mean, as, as, as is it likely that you would, um, you know, you set up partnerships with 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 ISPs to provide some sort of, um, you know, a, an in between thing to being a, a a provider that provides them all? Is that is that something you uh, you've looked at? <laughs> we should get you in for a session uh, uh, down the road, mate. You can give us some good ideas. Um, Look, yeah, pr- probably at this stage, you know, there's a lot of things on the table. Um, so, so which one makes best sense for us and for, you know, and for customers? Um, but, but there's, you know, hope, you know, it doesn't make much sense to just come out and be a be a me too in the, uh, you know, in the, in the broadband space. So, you know, we did some interesting stuff in mobile, and and and, uh, you know, I'd like to think we're going to do the same thing uh, if and when a fixed play makes sense. All right, uh, you've, you've, you've given some good hints eh? there, uh, Tim. So, uh, all right, we <laughs> no, I didn't. We uh, we had some good good expectations. All right, now so Hawaii Care, we've, we've chatted about that. Rians was the uh, the government uh, entity that we we're talking about. This is the this is the uh, the research network that's used by uh, I guess it's used sort of education universities and so on. In fact, they've just recently announced that they bumped up. I think their uh, uh, connection to the outside world to uh, ten gigabits, if I remember correctly. Now, what was the, the now the next thing on the uh, on the list? Microsoft and their uh, their OneDrive. Now they've just uh, made an announcement 
last week that they're uh, they're bumping up the free sort of cloud storage they give to consumers in their OneDrive from 7 gigs to 15, which is always handy if you happen to be using that. Uh, and the other thing they're doing is, um, and they sort of stirred things up uh, probably a year or so back when uh, when they dropped a lot of their storage pricing, but uh, there's been a bit of other movement in the market since, and they've, they've announced that uh, they're doing the same again. So some very competitive rates in the US, not quite as sharp uh, here in New Zealand. Uh, but but still pretty good. So you'll be able to get a um, 100 gigs of cloud storage for uh, two US dollars a month and uh, 200 gigs of uh, of that cloud storage for um, four US dollars a month. And those round up to I think 50 dollars a year and 100 dollars a year uh, in New Zealand with GSTs and uh, whatever other margins that they drop in for uh, f- for us. Um, Mark, what's your thought on this? Is uh, is, is Microsoft uh, a player in this space from your perspective? Because you're, um, you know, you well, probably not as much of a, I'm not a, really a, a user of Microsoft products, right? I so, mean, I, I use OS X and my Mac at home, but I'm Android for my handsets, so I, I'm kind of in a quasi anti Microsoft world kind of kind of kind of thing where I use Dropbox for storage. I also use Google Drive for storage. So where does where does Dropbox land in this? Because what what I'm seeing here is that uh, a standalone cloud storage product is, uh, you know, I see is probably becoming irrelevant in the future because Dropbox certainly isn't competing now on price. Uh, their features aren't you know dramatically well better or worse than uh, what Microsoft and Google and and others are offering. Uh, but if they can't be competitive on the on the price side, unless they do something, yeah, super innovative feature wise, um, why would you bother with a with a um, you know a standalone uh, cloud vendor? Yeah, well, in some respects, um, I've also started dabbling with BitTorrent Sync, which is similar to Dropbox but without the server in the middle. Right. So you run your multiple machines that have BitTorrent sync. sync it onto another computer. And combine that with, I've got a, a vhost somewhere in the cloud right. that I run BitTorrent Sync as well. So effectively it gives me my own private Dropbox. But it, it still might not be and cheaper than some of the prices that we're, uh, we're starting to see here. Tim, what do you use? Do you have anything? Mate, I'm just box standard uh, Google Drive. Um, right. And actually I was just thinking, you know, up until... Maybe a few months ago, you know, a lot of handsets would come with a with a Dropbox account, right? And, That's and, right. and as you did yeah. the setup, you know, it would take you through the wizard, would take you through, do you want to activate your Dropbox account? And yeah. I haven't seen that now for well, a little while. Just speaking about that, I recently switched from my, my um, Samsung S3 to a Sony Z2. And co- coincidentally, this, that same week was when my 70, my extra 50 gigs from my Samsung ran out. So I was like, okay, I've lost all the storage. Maybe I need to rethink what I'm actually storing because I might not have got, I might, I hadn't reached that limit, but I've now got enough in the cloud that actually not having that extra storage is kind of something that I want to be aware of. Yeah, well, I think, you know, as these prices have come down, where it used to be pretty prohibitive to even have that uh, 50 gigs with uh, with Dropbox, certainly looking at some of the other offerings that are uh, that are now landing uh, in the market, it's yeah, it certainly becomes reasonably affordable for your personal 
uh, you know, document and, and, and photo storage and the like. I believe um, uh, they have Google, sitting in the cloud, right? I believe Google also this week announced something related to the Microsoft announcement that they're going unlimited for Google Drive for business. I think. Yeah. So I mean, on the business side, um, yeah, there have been there's the announcement there from Google. If you're on their their high level, uh, yeah, plan with Google Apps uh, and Microsoft have have done something similar. I think it's a terabyte. You know, per user for business users, which is probably more than enough uh, when you look at you know, virtually every organisation I deal with in terms of their their day to day sort of IT. Um, I've never come across anywhere where an individual user has a has a terabyte worth of data. So um, that's you know, it's, a, it's certainly a nice chunk. Whether whether all of the um, the apps and bits and pieces that sort of you know tie those things together um, make that you know super seamless. I think, um, yeah, that's not that's not always not always the case. I think Apple's also stepping into this arena with the upcoming new version of OS X with Yosemite iOS eight, and I think they announced something with their photos for doing unlimited storage of photos and that kind of stuff on the iCloud. So I'm I'm more thinking at this point in time, the whole ecosystem is getting very fragmented, and it's I don't necessarily know who to choose. Well, I guess it just depends which ecosystem you're landing in. So, if you're in an Apple world, you'd you'd probably put your stuff in an Apple cloud, uh, Google, Microsoft, whichever. And if you're across, if you're across all of them, you've got to look at well, who provides the the best apps across all of those yeah. platforms. Um, and interestingly, and maybe it's because Microsoft has been, uh, you know, a bit of an outsider when it comes to the mobile device world. They've you know they've ended up coming in with a you know pretty capable apps across. Mac, Windows, iOS, Android, and you know, obviously the native sort of uh, Windows Phone and Windows 8, 8 um, one sort of you know, having that you know totally integrated and operating system level. I think their capability is actually quite good, um, but they, I think they've got, they've still got some work to do against uh, you know against the other the other players, and it's great to have a competitive space, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Look, I, I, th- I mean, for me, the two most important you know information stores. In personal life, uh, you know, photos and music, yeah, and 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 to be honest, I'm not sure if I trust either of those completely into the cloud yet. You know, th- 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 those get you know backed up myself at home on a, you know, on an external drive. Um, yeah, but old school there, maybe, Tim. maybe, maybe that's the case. Well, but kind of having all that trusting someone to look after all that, and then thinking, well, how long? You know, what's my long term service level guarantee for that? It's what, Twenty-five it's, years is it? It's 50, not, can I can I leave it behind hmm. for somebody? It's not so much the storage strength in the cloud for me, I think. It's also more, do I want, want to store my music in the place where I bought the music? Where I don't necessarily have actually got it stored. It's just their copy that I'm using that if they want to delete it, that it might just disappear from my folder or something. Who knows? Um, yeah, well, there's certainly all, all sorts of possibilities. And especially you know, if we get to a point where this stuff's free... And we've seen what happens with all sorts of free services. I was talking to somebody the other day that was telling me about this uh, wonderful uh, product they were using, they used in their business, which was a, uh, a free uh, you know, password storage system. And it just revolutionized the way they did their stuff because they couldn't remember their passwords. And uh, then that service one day shut down. 
didn't their uh, their free business model didn't quite work. Now a little bit harder for a Microsoft or a Google or a big player to to do that, but sometimes things happen. And as um, we've heard with uh, Facebook this week and uh, some of the the stuff they've been uh, doing with their free service, um, you know, sometimes things happen that maybe you aren't quite so comfortable with. So. All part of the all part of the consideration. Um, all right. Well, I think that uh, that sort of brings us to the end this week. That uh, that wraps wraps, wraps us up. Um, there there was a little bit more. If you want to dive into uh, Google I/O, there were some other topics that we didn't uh, we didn't get to chat about. Um, Android Auto uh, getting uh, getting an, an a Google uh, Android sort of. Um, the car experience. Yes, that's a good way to put it. Which I guess, yeah, when you compare it, it's got a lot of similarities to what Apple are, are, are doing in that area. But it's nice again to see that uh, that competition. Uh, one vendor comes out with something. Um, you well, know, other players are, are going to come to market and and put some pressures on. Although, if it's illegal to use your mobile phone in a car, can we use our Android in the car? Yes. Just like you can it, use your iPod Touch in the car, which is just an iPhone but without the phone because it isn't a phone. So there are all sorts of ways of, uh, of, yep. of breaking the rules. Or take the SIM card out of your Android and uh, put it in your portable uh, something or other, your 3G or 4G device, and then tether it. Would that be legal? I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, a few things for you to ponder out there and... Um, yeah, hopefully that keep that um, doesn't tie up too much of your brain power between now and our next episode next week because there are some other podcasts that we would like to uh, recommend you listen to from uh, from the Global Voice Media team. Uh, there is a New Zealand entertainment podcast which has uh, just launched in the last few months and uh, is going from strength to strength. Actually, well worth listening to if you're uh, if you're into keeping up with music, particularly uh, New Zealand music. There's a lot of interviews and. Um, commentary on, on what's happening in the New Zealand music world uh, and also movies and, and TV. There's a bit of other stuff in, the, in there as well but uh, quite a strong focus on, on New Zealand created uh, content in those spaces. So well worth a listen and uh, we've also got the uh, Slightly Correct Political Show which has just launched in the last couple of weeks or just joined our uh, our, um, our lineup of podcasts which has got uh, Jeremy Elwood, Chris Brain and Pat Brittenden uh, talking about all things political in the lead up to the uh, the election this year uh, and uh, with a with a certainly with a twist of humor thrown in there as well so uh, that one's well worth a listen to if you sort of want to keep up with with uh, what's happening and the, the mud slinging between the various parties and uh, yeah if you're just trying to figure it out and you can't um, then um, yeah the guys have some, some pretty interesting uh, debate on the uh, the topics at hand so jump on to uh, globalvoicemedia.com to, uh, to to find out about those now guys where do we track you down online uh, I'm on Twitter at, um, at Talios T-A-L-I-O-S and also Google Plus and the illegalargument.com is where the podcast is alright so that's how to find Mark Derricket how about you Mr. Tim Haywood I am just at Timmy Hay on uh, on Twitter, not on Google Plus, which actually didn't get much of a mention at this year's. Uh, it didn't at all. I.O. Mm, what well, does that mean? You can track me, Paul Spain, on on all the social networks, uh, but predominantly Twitter is is where I am most often when I can uh, 
find the time to uh, to tweet. And of course, nztechpodcast.com uh, and nztechpodcast is, is certainly uh, active ac- across Twitter, uh, Facebook, and uh, a little bit there on uh, on Google Plus from time to time as well. So thanks everyone for listening in. We'll catch you all next week. See ya.